Hey guys, good morning, good morning, good to see you. How many of you guys are glad to be here today? Okay, okay, good. I need your help today as I preach. Excited to uh, to be able to bring this word to you. Before I get into it, though, we have been in this sermon series called Grateful, and uh, <clears throat> there's a team I need to thank in our church. See, uh, a couple weeks ago, we had our Volunteer Celebration Awards here at the church, and I'm telling you, if you volunteer here and you didn't come, you missed it. It was so good. A couple, I hear some yeses. Here's what we do. So we're celebrating volunteers, so we don't want to ask people to volunteer. So they get us people who are staff people, and they get us to do stuff that we don't normally do. That particular evening, I was asked to do media. <laughs> that was not a good decision on their part. So I, it was so stressful, and it has given me a brand new appreciation for our media team because that is a job that nobody thinks about until something goes wrong. And then every eye in the place is on you, and I wanted to make sure as I was in charge of a piece of media that night that I had something to hide behind. So if something went wrong, I could go. Let me get out of sight a little bit. Craig, Bridget, David, Chris, Brent, Amanda, all the media team. Can we just give it up for those guys right now? I am so grateful for you, and if I am ever a diva, I do apologize. Because <laughs> now I know, I know. Hey, listen, let me tell you some things I'm grateful for. Hold your applause. We're going to clap and celebrate when we get to the end of these right here. This past Monday, a lady called me. She had a miracle story from Offering Fit for a King. That's an offering we take up one time of year. She said, I've started tithing. I gave that day. God's done a miracle in my life. I'm not going to share with you much about that because I believe at some point she will and I don't want to steal her thunder but miracles are happening we had five people at ownership last week which is membership and uh, so five people joined our church uh, we had record non-holiday attendance last Sunday we had 198 people in the house and there wasn't a baptism or a child dedication, there was, it was just a normal service, and we, have, we saw 198 people. My question for you, if you're here today, and you're a regular attender, and you missed last week, where were you? <laughs> we needed two more, you know, so anyway. And then here's the, here's the best of all, here's the best of all, get ready to celebrate, get ready to clap. All those things are good, all those things we're grateful for. But the thing that we really celebrate is when somebody knows Jesus Christ as their Savior. When they come into a saving relationship with Jesus. And we've had some people do that. And they are going public with their faith today through water baptism. We've got three people. Can we just give it up for those folks? <clears throat> yeah, so we're excited. Uh, this is a time of year where uh, we think about being grateful. Uh, Pastor Ivan, he's already there. Happy Thursday. You know, we're, we're excited about Thanksgiving because, well, you're off of work. And there's going to be food and time with family and football. And did I say food? So there's a lot of good stuff. 
And Thanksgiving is a time when we think about, you guys follow with me. You may have to write this down. It's a time when we think about giving thanks. It's just obvious. We know to do that. Thanksgiving, like Lauren said, we do a a thankful challenge. There's all kinds of things we do around this time of year to remind us to give thanks. But then, in December, we start forming lists of all the things that we need and all the things that we want, that we don't have. And, man, I sure would be grateful if I had a little more. And so... There's actually, God tells us not just to be thankful one time a year. That's great that culture has this time where we all rally together and we're grateful. and That's wonderful. But God actually tells us that we ought to be one of the marks of a believer is that a believer gives thanks. That's just what we do. That's who we are. That's what we're about. I want to show it to you. It's in Ephesians chapter 5, beginning in verse 19. <clears throat> We're going to be there for the rest of the day, so if you want to go ahead and flip there. But Ephesians chapter 5, verse 19 says, Speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. When I, when I think about this, Okay, so speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. So, so speak in this way. Yeah, I, I can do that. I can do that. Now, my wife's a music teacher. She says I mess up music lyrics all the time. But whatever, I can do that. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. Yeah, I can do that. Not like the give me a microphone kind of music, but like the joyful noise kind of music. I, I can do that. But look at what verse 20 says. Always giving thanks to God, the Father, for everything. For everything. That's where I run into a little bit of a snag. That's where it's a little bit hard. And i got to be honest with you, as I read that verse, I think, I probably can't do that. I mean, I could try real hard, but there's some stuff in my life that I can't can't give God thanks for I don't know how I mean I want to if God wants me to but but how do we give thanks for everything and so then my reaction is well maybe you know maybe it's the translation I'm reading maybe I need to try a different translation I don't know maybe it's the Greek to the English or something and so hear me guys the best interpreter of scripture is scripture You want to know what God's heart is? Look at other places in Scripture. I see a lot of times, and I follow a lot of uh, folks in the church world, unfortunately, you can make a Scripture say almost anything you want it to say, but not when you look in other Scripture. And so let's look in some other places. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Whoa, that really ramps it up, doesn't it? Give thanks because that is God's will for you. I think about how many times we pray and we earnestly cry out to God. God, I'm thinking about getting engaged. I'm thinking about buying this house. I'm thinking about changing jobs. And what is the question that we all ask? God, what's your will? Is this your will for me? I want to be in your will. 
And right here in Scripture, we see one of the things that is God's will for you and for me as a believer. This is, in theological circles, this is called the expressed will of God. You don't have to wonder, is it God's will for me to give thanks? No, he expressed it right here in his word. Give thanks in all circumstances, all circumstances, for this is God's will for you. Now go to Colossians 3.17. It says, and whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of our Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And whatever you do, whatever's going on in your life, give thanks to God the Father through him. Okay, so I'm a little clearer on Ephesians 5.20 now. God wants me to give thanks. It is God's expressed intent. It is his desire. It is his uh, it is his will that I would give thanks. So let's go back to our verse now. Verse 20. Always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. I got to tell you, let, let, me, let me, I could make this verse better. Always giving thanks to God the Father for some things. Come on, that's something we can do, isn't it? There are some things, no doubt, I can give thanks for. I've got a beautiful wife. I have got two healthy boys. I've got a good house. I've got a great church. There are a lot of things in my life I can give thanks for. There are a lot of things in your life you can give thanks for. But that's not what this verse says. Give thanks to God, the Father, for everything. Not some things, for everything. So that means that those difficult situations in our lives, we've all got them. They look different for me than they do for you. But there's stuff we struggle with. There's stuff we don't understand. There's stuff we don't like. We're supposed to give God thanks for those situations. Giving thanks for everything means I've got to give thanks for those difficult people in my life. Come on, anybody got some difficult people in your life? Okay, y'all are blessed. I got some. I don't, that's great, man. Here's another question. Are they coming over Thursday? Are they? No, don't do that. They might be here. They might be here. I heard a pastor one time. I was at a pastor's conference. And, and, and so there's this analogy. I think you guys are aware of it talks about how God, uh, Jesus is the head shepherd. We as pastors are the shepherds over the flock. This, the church is our pastor. We've been given spiritual charge over the sheep here. And, and, and so God holds me accountable. God tells me to lead these sheep that he's given me, that he's brought to the bridge, Mount Isle. That's awesome. I heard a pastor say at this pastor's conference, he said, <clears throat> I got some difficult sheep in my pasture. I've got some sheep that are rabid, and they have a taste for shepherd, and they're nipping at me, you know, they're constantly, I'm having to beat them off a little bit. Maybe you understand that analogy, you, are, you got some people, maybe at work, 
maybe in your family. Give thanks to God for everything. Difficult situations, difficult people. Why would God call us to do something that's impossible? Why, why, why would he ask that of us? Why would he tell us that in Scripture over and over and over again if we couldn't do it? And, and so that's where I want to spend our time today. We're, we're going to do baptisms here in just a few minutes, so we're not going to spend long, but I want to give you three keys to giving thanks in hard times. Three keys. Number one, <clears throat> focus on God instead of circumstances. Focus on God instead of circumstances. Sounds easy. Not so easy. I mean, think about it. I've got this big project at work that's due and I'm way behind. But I'm not stressed. I'm going to focus on God instead of my circumstances. My loved one got a bad report at the doctor. I'm not worried. Oh, no, no. I'm focusing on God instead of circumstances. No. That it sounds good. But it really takes some effort. A am I suggesting that you shouldn't hurt when you go through difficult circumstances? No. Am I suggesting you shouldn't be concerned? Absolutely not. But I'm here to tell you that our problems, when we view them with the right perspective, it helps us to get through them. When we view them in light of who God is, and that's what 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17 tells us. Paul says, For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Sounds pretty good, doesn't it? Our light and momentary troubles. How many of you, if I were to say, I, I'm not going to give you specifics, but I'll make you a trade. If you do... Some, if you have some light momentary troubles, I will give you a gift that never stops. It, it is eternal, this eternal, what did it say? Eternal glory. Light momentary troubles, eternal glory. That's the contrast. That sounds pretty good. We would all want to take God up on that. Until we see what Paul is describing as light and momentary troubles. Let's look at it. He, he already told the church in Corinth about them earlier. Just a couple chapters earlier. Here's what he says. Chapter 1, verses 8 and 9. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experienced in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure so that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death. Paul says, man, everywhere I go, I feel like my life is on the line. I feel like my life is about to be required of me. Paul had been stoned. That He was left for dead. He, he had been stoned. He had received the 40 lashes minus one. They thought 40 would kill you, so they took you right to the brink. He took the 40 lashes minus one. He, he was imprisoned. He was shipwrecked. Paul says, everywhere I go, I felt like I had the sentence of death on me. I mean, just at any point, I could have died. But, verse 9 keeps going, but 
This happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. So a couple chapters later, Paul is talking about these very troubles, and he says, these troubles are light and momentary. Oh man, it's here today, but it's gone tomorrow. I may be in fear for my life, but I get to spend eternity with my Jesus. And so I'll make that trade. I'll make that trade. But none of us, if, we, if I was going to describe to you, now you'll get eternal glory, but we're going to have to stone you. And if you make it through that, it's 40 lashes minus one. It doesn't feel so light and momentary, but it does if we have the right perspective. Paul's saying the beginning of being thankful, even for problems, is understanding God is at work, even in hard times, and there is a blessing that comes from that. Yes, the blessing of heaven, but there's even a blessing here on this earth. Romans chapter 5, verses 3 through 5 say this, Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings, because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. And hope does not disappoint us, because God has poured out His love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom He has given us. In other words, whenever I go through hard times, whenever I go through trials, whenever you go through those situations, yes, as believers, there is heaven that is before us. But God's doing something through those problems that you may not even understand or comprehend right here on this earth. Those problems are producing character and perseverance. And those things are producing hope in us. And when that is the case, every storm is a school. Every trial is a teacher. Every experience is an education. And every difficulty God is using for my development. Because He loves me that much that he will help me but it's only when i keep things in the right perspective heard a story about a college student she wrote her parents she wanted to let her let them know how the semester was going <clears throat> that's what it says dear mom and dad i have so much to tell you because of the fire in my room set by rioting students i suffered lung damage and had to go to the hospital while there, I fell in love with an orderly. Then I got arrested for my part in the riots. Anyway, I'm dropping out of school, getting married, and moving to Alaska. Love, Becky. P.S. None of that is true, but I did flunk chemistry, and I wanted you to keep that in perspective. <laughs> As I read that letter... I grimaced a little bit. Did, I don't know if this ever happens to you. Do you ever see a kid do something in public and immediately you draw back like, oh, what's about to happen there? Because you remember, my mama would have, I'm, if I was Becky, I would be dead. My mom would kill me. I, I was in the grocery store the other day and I had one of those moments. I'm going down the frozen food aisle 
And I see this, I don't know, five-year-old. I mean, old enough to know better. And this kid, the mom picks out some French fries. The kid takes them and says, no, throws them down on the floor. I had my car, and I said, oh. And I just drew back a little bit in anticipation of the belt that was just going to inevitably come off, you know, come unspooled, and the beating was about. That mom, <laughs> I know you guys are going to jut. That mom, she looked at that kid, she said, what are you doing? <laughs> Slapped him right there on the jaws. And it really did my heart good. <clears throat> and listen, I, listen, I, I'm not the parenting guru. I'm trying my hardest to raise my two boys right, okay? So I don't, I don't judge that mom. You shouldn't either because you don't know what you'd do if you had that little boy. Here's what we're talking about. The right perspective. The right perspective. While we question this college student's methods, she was right. The, the method, uh, the, the perspective that you have. Mom and Dad, I know you don't want me to flunk chemistry. I know that. I'm not trying to flunk chemistry, but I can take it again next semester. It's not the end of the world. Guys, what I'm telling you is when we're going through something, when, when we're in the middle of our darkest day, we have to have that right perspective that we can focus on God, that this thing that we're going through has come to pass. I love what G.C. Morgan says. The supreme need in every hour of difficulty is a vision of God when I'm going through hard times oh it's easy to praise God when everything's going good but when I'm going through hard times I can look to heaven I need to see Jesus in that moment more than I need a pep talk more than I need encouragement more than I need a pat on the back I need Jesus and that's all of us the supreme need is a vision of God so we focus on God and not circumstances. Number two, the second key, is we ask God what instead of why. We ask God what instead of why. One of the natural reactions whenever we go through something tough is we say, God, why is this happening to me? We don't like it. We don't want it. God, why? But that's not really the best question. And it's not the best question because if we're going to ask, why me? We also have to ask, well, why not me? Why do, you, why do I think I'm exempt from hard times? I mean, think about Jesus. When he was here on this earth, he never sinned. He never did any wrong. And yet he suffered when he was here on this earth. There were times that he was lonely. There were times that he was misunderstood and criticized. And oh yeah, by the way, he was the son of God. And so if he had to endure those things, what makes us think we'll be exempt? So the better question instead of why is what? God, what are you trying to say to me in this? What are you trying to teach me about me? What blessing do you want to bring me through all of this? What am I holding on to that you want me to let go of? 
And when we learn to ask that question, what, instead of why, then those things that I said earlier become true. Then every trial becomes a teacher. Every situation becomes a school. But hear me, guys. We only ask that question. We only flip the script on that and ask what instead of why. If we trust God's character. If we trust, you know what? God loves me. And I'm not sure why I'm going through this, but I know He loves me. And I know He promised He would never leave me or forsake me. And I know He's got the best in mind for me. And He's working everything in a pattern for my good. Because that's how much He cares about me. Even if it's a mess up or a mistake that I've created. You know, we blame everything on the devil. He gets a lot more credit than he should. There's some stuff. Scripture tells us that there is a battle between flesh and spirit. That means every day I am tempted with fleshly desires. The Holy Spirit's living in me. I get to make the choice. And sometimes I just choose poorly. Sometimes we create a mess for ourselves. It won't nothing to do with the devil. It was just that we chose a fleshly desire. Here's the hope in all of that. Even when we mess up, look at Romans 8, 28. It says, and we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. God loves you and God loves me so much that he will never waste a hurt. If we will learn to flip those questions around, God, what are you trying to teach me? What can I learn? How can I be closer to you? God will never waste a hurt. He wants to work it together for our good. And that leads me to number three. The third key to give thanks in hard times. Be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the spirit that's actually the context of ephesians chapter 5 we covered verses 19 and 20 let's go back and read verse 18 now it says do not get drunk on wine which leads to debauchery instead be filled with the spirit don't get drunk on wine be filled with the spirit and then there's the part that we've already read speaking to one another with psalms hymns and songs from the spirit sing and make music from your heart to the lord always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. That sentence right there, always giving God thanks for everything. Always give God thanks for everything. That sentence, that's actually a clause. Let me, let me take you back to high school English class real quick. Some of you loved English. But, but that is a coordinate clause. A coordinate clause is a clause that is introduced by conjunction, and or but, typically. And it has a series of clauses that are not necessarily dependent on one another. So when we see that, always giving thanks for everything, it is in light of a couple different things. That's actually the third clause, and it's a more particular way in which we are filled with the Spirit. See, the first two were, there was an outward expression of praise to God. 
there was an inward expression of praise to God through our heart. But then comes to the third clause. When you are filled with the Spirit, you will always give thanks for everything. It's a type of praise. It's a type of praise that is a constant duty, but you can't do it. I can't do it. I am incapable of giving thanks always, except that I be filled with the Spirit. So how do we give thanks in hard times? Yes, we focus on God, not circumstances. Yes, we ask what instead of why. But we need to be filled with the Spirit. That is how you're able to do it. And then a natural byproduct. When I'm filled with the Spirit, one of the natural byproducts is I'll give thanks. Go back to verse 18. We got it up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Be filled. <clears throat> that word filled, that is the Greek word pleru. It means uh, to be filled to the brim or to abound. That's the definition we most often think of, but there's another definition as well. It means to be under the control of. To be under the control. I think that's probably the better definition in light of the, the contrast here. Don't get drunk on wine. Be filled with the Spirit. Wine, in the Greek, is the word vinos, and it means any intoxicating spirit. What's God saying right here? You're going to be full of something. You're going to be full of something. Look at your neighbor right now and say, you're full of it. Now, don't add any syllables to that. Just you're full of it. What are you full of? What are you full of? Scripture tells us that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, mercy, gentleness, and self-control. Galatians 5 tells us that the fruit of this world is jealousy, wrath, selfishness, envy. So as I look at my life, as you look at your life, what's present? I'm full of something. You're full of it too. What are we full of? Let me tell you something. We can't give thanks to God always for everything by ourselves. But if we enlist the Holy Spirit in that venture, it is possible. So I want to just do that. I, you know, I think about <clears throat> what if what if we as believers were known? <clears throat> Sorry about my throat, guys. What if we as believers were known for giving thanks? What, what if that was a hallmark? You want to know somebody who's grateful? Go see that Ivan guy. Man, he's always saying thank you. He's always grateful. He's always, he always seems chipper. What, what, what if that was a hallmark for our lives? It ought to be, but we can't do it alone. We have to be filled. So let's pray right now. God's desire for us is that we would be filled with the Spirit. You won't ask Him to do it and He not do it. He, he wants to fill you with the Spirit. 
So, Heavenly Father, we come right now and we submit ourselves to you. We thank you, God, that there are so many things to be grateful for. But, God, we acknowledge we can't be grateful for everything. We need your help. So I pray for each and every person under the sound of my voice that we would bow our knee, that we would say, God, fill me to the brim. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Because I want to do what it is that you want me to do here on this earth. And I'm not equipped in and of myself. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. I want to be full of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness. I want people in this world to know that there's something different about me. And God, I want it to be your Holy Spirit. Pray that now in the precious name of Jesus. And everyone said,